0: All right, are you guys excited about parenting? Parenthood week three. Let's pray. God, share with us your truth on parenting and help us apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're talking about discipline this morning. We just have one more week to go over this subject. Um, And uh, discipline in our day and time when we talk about parenting can be a pretty sensitive subject. And there can be lots of different opinions. And so I don't want you to hear my opinions on things. Uh, We want to look at some principles in God's Word that can really guide us, I think, to some healthy ways, uh, some healthy things in parenting. Now, I know not everyone here is in a season of life where you might be parenting uh, children. Uh, They may be older. uh, You may have just had another calling on your life. Um, You know, I don't know where your situation is, but... Uh, Anytime we go through a series like this, there's always principles that really apply to every area of life. There's principles that point out the nature and character of God and what he's doing. And God has called us to connect with, influence, and encourage other people. So there's a a good uh, chance that all of us have some connection with people who are parenting uh, in some way, shape, or form. And so um, stick with us here, everybody. Uh, let's define it first. The, the, the definition that, that I want us to really focus on this morning is discipline is correction driven by love. All right? It, it's not like Grew. I uh, love that movie. I, it's a, a few years old. Like, that was out when my kids were little, and so I had to watch it. Thought it was hilarious. But, you know, he's just got this attitude of, I don't want to be bothered here's my rules to follow so things aren't so crazy around here and, and you don't drive me crazy. Just do these things. Don't burp, don't whatever. Um, I forget his list. And that's not the idea of discipline. Well, discipline is just to, to, to reduce the chaos or something and to have some kind of peace at home. No, there's so much more to why God has called us as parents to discipline Um, And and it is out of love. It's out of concern. It's out of compassion and care for our children. And we're trying to point them to something, point them to truth, point them to to God's truth. Um, And so uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, talks about how God relates to us in this aspect. And it says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he has accepted as his child. So we see this very clear principle in scripture that discipline, correct discipline, godly discipline, biblical discipline is done out of love. It's out of motivating and, and trying to guide and encourage kids to what God wants for them and, and what's best for them. And, and that should be um, how we approach it. Um, how important is this discipline thing? Well, it's just kind of a leave it or take it or, you know, I, I don't want to take it that seriously. And um, Well, uh, the Bible takes it pretty seriously. In Proverbs 19.18, it says this, Disciplining your children while there is Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. I, 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 I'm not a big believer in, like, piling on a bunch of guilt on people. <laughs> but this, this verse is pretty strong and pretty, you know, kind of shakes our foundation a little bit of reading how serious and how direct uh, that instruction is. That, that it can really lead to ruin uh, for our children in the future, if we don't take this seriously and understand the implications and how important it is, um, parents, we need to understand that there's a major battle going on in our households, and and here's the major battle: it's it's over who is going to be in charge of the household. Who's going to be in charge? And maybe now, you know, it's so easy to pick on the current culture and kind of say, oh, look at this thing that's happening today. And I mean, we're just messed up, sinful, broken people. And ever, ever since uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, the world has been broken and messed up and sinful. But we do today, I think, see a lot of, especially in our culture here, it seems like the kids seem to have more authority <laughs> or more sway or are focused on more in the household or in the family, um, then when we read scripture, what it really guides us to have. Um, and so, guys, gals, ladies and gentlemen—however I want to put this—this this is a battle we must win. Like, if we love our kids, we have to let them know that our, their world. We aren't creating a world that centers around them. That creates something very unhealthy in their future. Uh, but but rather God has put us in charge, and that they understand what authority means, and especially uh, authority that God has placed and 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 very very clearly has has given that position to, and that is a loving thing for them to understand that they're not in charge. Um, so we need to win that battle decisively, and we talked a lot about that in week one. Zig Ziglar. I don't know if any of you guys are Zig Ziglar fans. Not. Someone, as I was looking at quotes and, and sayings on on parenting, I thought this one was interesting though he said, "A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world, his family will be disciplined without love by the great big world and and that's you know unfortunately that 's what we see sometimes if 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 kids did not have that proper sense of authority, proper sense of of there being consequences to our actions, all those kind of things." That when they get into the big world, um, they they can really have a lot of issues and a lot of problems. So discipline, it's correction driven by love. All right? I'm going to share with you three unhealthy parenting styles. And I'll just tell you right off the bat, guilty. Okay? I'm not pointing at any of you guys, um, like, admitting. (laughs) I've been guilty of all of these. And I know this is hard. And I know this is challenging. And I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to encourage you and, and, and hopefully uh, highlight God's truth that really uh, wants to guide us to, to something that we're encouraged to do, not disappointed or feel guilty that we haven't done these things. Um, so, the first one is lifeguard parenting. What is lifeguard parenting? It's, it's a parent who, it's always trying to rescue their kids from their own uh, consequences and whatever situation they're in. Uh, and rescue them from the pain or the, the consequences that come from what they've done. Or it can also be rescuing them from a, a, a situation where it isn't absolutely ideal for them because we don't want little Sally or little Johnny to, to go through any pain. And, and that's, sometimes we think as parents that is our greatest objective, to create this world for our kids where they never experience any pain. God didn't do that with his son. That is not our role. That is not our job. I know it seems loving. But we live in this broken, messed up world. And and they're going to be shocked by it stepping out of eventually. Or we get to that point where they never kind of, we have a hard time releasing them. We have a hard time really cutting the cord, as many people would put it. Um, So, Um, in, In Galatians 6, 7, it says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So throughout the Bible, this theme and this principle and truth is repeated time and time again. And it's the principle of reaping what we sow. And if our kids, if we want to protect them from decisions that they make, and not allow them to, to experience the consequences of their decisions, they will never kind of, at a first-hand knowledge, understand this principle. And they're never going to grow and mature in many areas of their life. Okay? It's like the kid who's got a science project. Jackson's back there going, wait, this, this just got real, real. Real, real. real. <laughs> and they wait to the very last minute, Right? You're like, all right, go to bed, brush your teeth, got school tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I got this science project that I got assigned three months ago. And I I haven't, I kind of forgot to do anything with it. And what do you do as a parent? Most parents today are like, oh, it's going to be an all-nighter, me doing my kid's science project. Versus, well, <laughs> I guess you're going to go to school and uh, not have uh, much much of Anything to turn in. And then what will happen? <gasps> They'll have a consequence, you know? There will be a, an appropriate consequence, right, for whatever you, you would hope. Hope there wasn't some inappropriate consequence, but there's going to be a consequence. But our natural tendency, right, is to jump in and rescue them, and, oh, no, they can't go through something that's difficult or painful. We had a hard situation um, with one of our children, um, who had a teacher that we were not thrilled with, and 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 my wife's a teacher. Uh, we've got lots of teachers in, in my family, and we're, we we tend to kind of lean and kind of stand up and give the teacher the benefit of the doubt when it's a child saying something and an adult and a teacher who that's her profession and career and everything. Um, so we continue to try to give the teacher the benefit of the doubt when one of our children was really struggling. Early. This was early elementary years. And uh, then we just found out that it was a horrible teacher. Can I say that on stage? Is that okay? That person wasn't, I don't think God called them or gifted them or gave them the right kind of wiring, probably to do something else, but not teach. And what our natural tendency was is to rescue them out of that and go, oh, no. My child can't experience, you know, and and sometimes, I'm not, I would not judge, I don't know anyone's specific circumstance, and there's probably some really good reasons why, you know, you would request, you know, maybe a a change in a classroom or a teacher, but also, uh, there's sometimes, I think, when when we made a decision that, hey, you know what, it's more important if there's not some, you know, horrible, abusive thing going on, and and, um, it's just not the most ideal situation for our kid to understand that in life, sometimes you're not going to have the most ideal situation. Sometimes you're going to have a difficult boss. Sometimes you're going to have a, like a difficult neighbor. Sometimes you're going to, you know, have some tough things in life. And what do you do? How do we respond in a way that honors God? How do we respond to whatever relationship or authority God has put in our life? and are we going to if it doesn't meet our exact expectations are we going to rebel against that and try to come in and rescue and say oh no no my kid can't ever experience anything hard or difficult cuz what happens when they never experience anything hard or difficult or 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 live up to any consequences they go through life and they get you know into the real world and they they kind of have this idea that they they are never um, deserving of anything except special treatment they're never they they have an entitlement attitude right, and they deserve things they deserve certain things at a certain level, and if they don't get those they're you know upset um, so we see that I think rampant and i've been guilty of of stepping in uh, and that that can be a tough thing that can be a sensitive thing. some of you guys are like, you know maybe wrestling with that um, so we want them to understand things like the, the uh, principle of reaping and sowing. Uh, we want them to understand that we're in a broken, messed up, unfair world. And, and how do we respond to that world in a way that honors God? Um, number two, another parenting thing that I think can be challenging, again, it's something I, I can think of specific examples of how I've, I've not been great in this area, is Etch-A-Sketch parenting. And that's being inconsistent. And you guys grow up with Etch Sketch, I think they still kind of have some version around. Maybe. My parents got me one and they're like, it's a laptop, because we were really poor. <laughs> um anyways, if you remember etch sketch, you know you can twist the wheel and draw a line one way or another and you shake it, and then you can twist it and the line somewhere else. And that's the idea, is that we kind of have a boundary and we have a line and we have an understanding in our household and in our family but then we change it and we aren't very serious and we don't follow through with what we say is the you know the consequences in our house or the way we do things or whatever and and that can really cause really a lot of anxiety in kids uh, and a lot of frustration in kids kids actually want a foundation of what are the expectations and kids all the studies seem to show that they thrive more With that foundation. And then again, as we're most important, I hope, uh, most interested in pointing our kids to who God is, their creator, and, 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 and the nature of who he is, that those things can point and start to establish that there is a creator, God, who is unchanging. I'm kind of a, a nerd about studying, like, other religions and stuff, and I think it's interesting, all these other kind of man-made religions that you see throughout history. When, when people develop their understanding and idea of God, um, it becomes, God becomes kind of much less than, than how he has revealed himself in the Bible. How he's revealed himself in the Bible is this unchanging God who for eternity has been all-loving, has complete perfect justice as a part of his character and nature. Um, he's he's uh, all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And all these attributes, he doesn't, like, develop them and, and and whatever. They're always constantly, he is this incredible, unchanging being with all these incredible, amazing attributes that, that will never change. And, uh, you know, if you look at, especially I think of, like, uh, Uh, Roman uh, mythology Greek mythology Um, their gods if you do a little study of them it's like the first soap opera you know they're they're just kind of like they get mad and angry and jealous and all these things and and it it, this is just some principles where we can kind of have things that are solid and foundational because we're basing them on the truth that we see in scripture and and, and it points to these type of things. They start developing these understandings of an authority and a God who created them, who is unchanging. Um, so there's the etch a sketch parenting. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says, "To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child." It goes on in, in verse seventeen. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind, and you will and will make your heart glad because I know it's hard at the time. Often it's hard at the moment often to, to stand firm on what we've said and the boundaries we've set, but ultimately out of love. And here's just a little like carrot for us too. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's out of love for our kids and how they'll develop and how they'll grow. And, and it's a blessing to us too, uh, to see that develop in our kids. Um, so I get, like, like here's how, uh, just to be real uh, transparent with you, you know, I, I see one of our kids, and I go down, and I look at their room, and it's messy, and I don't care, and, and then uh, my wife says, hey, our kids aren't cleaning their room, and I'm like, uh-oh, I better make my wife happy, and so I start marching around the house, and I'm like, listen, maggot, go clean your room, and sergeant dad comes out, right, uh-oh, that's why this is here, I shouldn't have done that, Ugh. <coughs> <clears throat> and, and and then i feel bad and the kids are like falling apart and i'm yelling at them all these you know commands and you know um and then i'm like and then i go sometimes swing to the other and i'm like cruise ship dad like hey it's all right we're here to have fun in the helton home and uh, what would you guys like to eat? Uh, We've got this all-you-can-eat buffet in the kitchen, and we're just going to have fun and, and do whatever you want. You're on vacation here at the Helton, you know, and there's just this, you know, wide range that I'm guilty instead of uh, being clear about things and not reacting. Um, number three, um, the split decision parents. The split decision parents, not being unified in your parenting. And sometimes there's some unique challenges to this. Um, I know when Jackson was little, sorry, buddy, I'm picking on you. I picked on your sisters when they were in here in the first service. Um, Jackson knew before he could even, he only had a handful of words he could say. So he's a real little toddler. And he knew who to go to to get his sippy cup filled with milk. Because he went to mom and the milk came out just white. And he comes to dad, and it's got this goodness, this wonderful chocolatiness that is just dumped like half of the sippy cup is chocolate, and I'm going, it's, it's like Ovaltine. It's got all these, like, vitamins. No, we didn't even do Ovaltine. But I would read, like, Nesquik, and I'm like, look, they're trying to compete with Ovaltine. They've got these vitamins. I'm helping them out. And so he knew at a young age which parent to go to to get chalk milk, as he would say it. Chalk milk. My wife would get him milk and like put a tiny little bit of maybe chocolate in there because I ruined him and that's the only way he would drink it. And he would get so mad. He'd be like, Bleh, what is this? This isn't chalk milk. Dad, Dad, da chalk milk. <laughs> I mean, last week, it was weird. You were yelling at me like that. <laughs> but um, he's in junior high, I shouldn't do that. Um, but at an early age, our kids know how to manipulate us, you know, and to what parent to go to to ask for permission for what. For what. And, and a, I mean, this may have to do more about our marriage relationships, but, but kids also, it has to do with that just knowing firmly where our boundaries are and what's acceptable and what isn't and who's in charge. And we're in charge together in a marriage. And we're, we're in a unified front, and that's something our, our kids need to have Um, I know it's challenging with with, uh, families where, uh, you know, a family is divorced and and there's an ex uh, situation in there. And and I would just say this to all of you who, you know, are in that type of situation. um, Don't talk bad about your ex to your children, especially. (laughs) Um, First of all, we just hope that you know the love of Jesus and that he forgives us even though we don't deserve it. And no matter what that ex has done or whatever, that, you know, they don't, maybe, you know, there's good reason they don't deserve forgiveness. But as believers, um, we extend forgiveness when it's, not, when it's not deserved because that's what we've experienced. So if you don't know that and haven't experienced that, that's, of course, our first prayer for you. But what a beautiful example, you know, and, and just think that is that child's father or mother. And regardless of how your relationship is, you don't need to tear that that bond and that relationship down and play playing parents. And I know there's just such a temptation. But, man, God, that's how the world acts. God has called us to be very different and to show a love that doesn't make sense, to show an unconditional love. And so, uh, of course, that's the situation. And then sometimes there's the Brady Bunch situation and the, the, the mixed family situation. And here's what I would say about that. Never say, those are your kids and these are my kids. When you marry someone, the Bible treats marriage as a sacred relationship of two people coming together and becoming one. So when you become one, it's not those are your kids and those are my kids. It is, these are my kids. When I married you, I married the kids you had, if that was the situation I married into. And so um, just understanding one thing, giving those kids that foundation of, of what the relationship there is there, but also just that you should, if that's your situation, have a very united front, not, well, I'll discipline my kids, you discipline your kids. No, these are our kids, and we have this new uh, challenging family dynamic, but, but that's, I think, the way that, that honors God more as we look at that. Amos three three says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction and the answer is no (laughs) that there needs to be as we're headed in the same direction of of ultimately like i talked about earlier trying to point our kids to who god is why they were created who jesus is having a relationship with god um if that's we need to have a commonality uh with the direction we're headed with that um so let's talk about uh, healthy guidelines, healthy guidelines to implement uh, in, our, in our parenting. Number one, and this is challenging, um, expect first time and cheerful uh, obedience from our children. Expect first time, what do I mean by that? Uh, and cheerful obedience uh, from our children. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, we, we have some children in here, maybe junior high, maybe some others, and, and uh, teenagers, basically. Um, always. Now, I know some of you guys are like, what? Oh, yeah, that's a great verse. I'm going to slap that on my refrigerator. Yeah, kids, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Um, always. <laughs> that's one of those. Scripture does this a lot to us. kind of gives us just this, this very... Um, clear, uh, all-encompassing commands. Um, now, of course, we would not take that completely out of context and say, well, if a parent is asking a kid to do something unthinkable, well, the Bible says no. We apply some, some basic uh, uh, wisdom to that, and, and we see other places in the Bible that says, obey, the, o- obey your parents in the Lord, uh, in a, you know, of course, in a way that would honor him. Uh, he's, he's our ultimate authority. and so, But all that to say, parent or children, that's the position they're supposed to be in. And just rewinding a little bit to the beginning, I think often in our culture especially, it's more like parents obey your children is, is how we kind of seem to play it out more. Um, now, Scripture does not say children obey your mom and dad after they say cut that out, stop that, don't make me come over there. I mean it this time, I really mean it, I mean it, don't make me count to three, you know I will, one, two, don't give me that look, two and a half. So when we do that, we're conditioning our kids to say, obey me when I'm really serious about it or when I get to a certain level of frustration or anger instead of look if i say something the response is to follow it and if you don't follow it it's not this build up to testing you to seeing who really is in control but there's an immediate like okay well here's here's the clear immediate consequence to you uh, to you not immediately following that Um, Philippians uh, 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. That, of course, this is based in not some parent who's trying to abuse their authority and just say, listen to me or else, but it's based in an understanding, if we're following scripture, that we love our kids and that when we're telling them something, it's for their good and they're not to question it and question ultimately our authority our, our uh, motivation, uh, the outcome of it, but that they they have a, a trust that we love them and we care about them. And so when we're saying something, that they do it and that they uh, there's a sense of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what my parent wants me to do. And there actually is kind of a, a, a satisfaction that comes out of that. Um, why is that so important? Uh, because discipline, it's more than an, uh, more for attitude than actions. You know, if you have this battle with your children and you finally win the battle, you've probably not won their heart in the situation, right? If it's like, you know, you're going back and forth, and no, I didn't, no, you're going to, you yeah, know, you did this, but, but no, oh, I didn't even, uh, no. and then it ends in in you trying to dole out some punishment. Well, you're grounded for for a week. Fine! and they're storming off, and you're like, yay, parenting, I did it. I grounded to them, and they accepted it. Well, um, they accepted it that you kind of won that fight, but there's just an outward obedience, but what really happens, if that's still their attitude, is an inward rebellion. And so... uh, what we're called to have is not just this inward rebellion and that's what we're producing in our kids, but that we can sit down with them and talk through and have them come to an understanding and an um, admission of where they messed up. Um, And so uh, that's a, that's a harder way to parent. Like I think usually doing it God's way isn't easier. (laughs) but that's a more loving approach to sit down and again going back to those principles of having children understand when they're disobeying us why are you why that is why this is and that they don't make an excuse and just not really own up to what they've done and just storm off mad and think well i just have to have this punishment now because the bible tells us another principle that we see in scripture that god always Gives us a way out of temptation, that there's no temptation that's too strong. That, like, because what we often get a reaction to, especially I think in the culture around here, is that that's not fair. Blame someone else. I'm not really at fault, right? I'm not really to blame. And however we want to, you know, look back, well, I'm not really to blame because this person did that or that or my parents were this way or whatever. And that is a really bad place to point, our, to point our children to know that when we stand before God, we can't give excuses, that we understand what Jesus really did and that it was needed for me, that I deserve. Talk about like growing as a Christian. If you can get this concept, which is clear in Scripture, If you can get this concept that I have rebelled against God and he is holy and perfect and pure and I deserve to be separated from him. There is an incredible appreciation of what God has done through Christ. There is an incredible humility that comes from from knowing that you deserve to be separated from God for eternity. But... His grace and his love allowed for something else. And he paid the price that you deserved and you couldn't pay on your own. If our kids always are growing up with this attitude that it's always someone else's fault and you just don't understand and fine, I guess I'll have to do this, but I really don't care, you know, I'm really not, I really didn't make a bad decision. Here's all my excuses. And they acted this way. It's just so common. Then you wind up with adults who have a hard time grasping the good news. As a pastor, I can just testify to that. Have a hard time sitting down with someone and going, the Bible says you deserve to go to hell. That is too harsh. Like I deserve to go to hell. What? Like the Bible would ever share that message. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's kind of the message. Good thing it doesn't end there though. But God loved us so much. But if we think, well, we really don't deserve that, but something worked out and something, and Jesus had to he- hook me up a little bit, then, then, then salvation and what God has done for us isn't that impactful. It isn't that. It's just like this side thing that we're like, hey, that's cool. I got this Jesus thing on the side too. <laughs> Rather than, oh, that's everything. That changes everything about my eternity and my now. Anyways, okay, that's not my notes. Where are we? I have no idea. Okay, uh, number two, agree to never discipline in anger. Agree to never, I think this is a pretty standard thing that we see, and, and a challenging thing, though, as parents, so I think it's worth, worth noting. Ephesians four don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Um, often, it's maybe us that needs a timeout rather than our kid. If we feel like we are just responding in rage, almost, or and I think that's the type of anger. Not that you wouldn't be disappointed if your kid, you know, didn't follow something. There's going to be a disappointment, and there's a certain frustration there. Jesus was angry. Uh, he got so angry at certain times. He went into the temple. Man, I love this Jesus. This is the Jesus that I like. I have a poster of uh, <laughs> like Rambo Jesus going into the temple, turning over tables, getting, he had a righteous anger. There was an appropriate anger towards something that was so abusive to people that misrepresented who God was that directed people away from, from who God. I mean, that's a, you know, reason to, to be frustrated and angry, but, but when we're having fits of rage and, and our kids are frightened of us, um, we are probably going to look back at whatever decision we make in disciplining at that moment and regret it big time. I know I have. And so never, just make a a firm commitment as a parent. Uh, If I just feel myself getting so upset, I'm just going to take a moment before I'm actually disciplining, which may make you think about spanking and that whole controversy. And that's not something that's real popular, like, hey, we shouldn't spank. Then there's this pesky little thing called the Bible that says it's really okay. And I know that's not super popular to say, but Proverbs 3.12, just this is for your reference if you want to look into it. Proverbs Proverbs 3.12, Proverbs 13.24, Proverbs 22.15. And and I think it's kind of funny. We've got a generation that hasn't been spanked that we see the result. And I know that, (laughs) oh, I shouldn't go there. But the argument has been like, oh, that is just so abusive and mean, and these kids are just going to grow up angry and just, you know, uh, not, not, you know, whatever it is. And, um, you know, the Bible says that there's an appropriate way if that's, and I wouldn't force that on anyone, but I wouldn't also say you shouldn't do that, based on the Bible. There's, there's not a room to say you shouldn't do that. Of course, we should never abuse our kids. And I would think, well, logically, it's, it's really for very young kids when they don't understand. And out of a loving act, like you tell your kid, you know, don't reach up to the stove and grab some hot pot or get a stool and go, you know, do something that would endanger you. And, and you can't sit down and kind of talk about and and share what the con, you know, why this is a bad decision, but that uh, you know, when they're very young, they need to know okay, there's a consequence that's gonna be a loving thing that's not gonna damage you <laughs> or hurt you long term, but but here's something that I want to do out of love. So, only if it's out of love, I think it's for very young uh, children in that kind of sitting sy- uh, scenario, really out of protection. Um, but, anyways, number three is we want to discipline with, uh, I'm sorry, discipline with instruction and reconciliation. And I already kind of talked about that a little bit, that, that, that our kids uh, should understand. Like, here's a great question to ask kids after they've been in trouble and didn't do something they should have and, you know, sit down with them. Nobody's angry. Nobody's, you know, it's not emotions that's, that's pushing this conversation. But here's a great question to ask. What did you do wrong? And when it's, I didn't do anything wrong, and it was my sister, and she, blah, 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 you know that you're not there yet, you know, and you know that, that they, you haven't, you haven't gotten to the point that you want them to get to, of no, okay, let's, I know maybe your sister, or your brother, or whoever did something wrong, but what did you do wrong? Let's just focus on you, and then I'll have this conversation with them, but let's focus on you, because that's always right, shift the blame, shift the blame, it's not me, get defensive but what did i do wrong and when they can come to that point okay they're man admitting that i i know i shouldn't have done this and i did that you want to talk about growing your kids to know who God is, and what his principles, his economy of life, of morality, of right and wrong, and a holy God, and that we're sinful, and we make decisions against God, or for, you know, like, okay, I did this wrong. How many times do our kids actually come to that conclusion? And then how can we handle it better next time? How can we grow from this? And then the reconciliation reflecting how God is with us. That when he forgives us, he doesn't like, oh, you sinned and now you're you a second class part of my family or something. That, that, that God's forgiveness is complete. And, and so much so that his forgiveness, it is so complete that what Jesus did to pay for our forgiveness is so complete that, that we're given the worthiness, the righteousness of Jesus is credited to us. That's how, how complete And the the relationship is restored and and, and perfect. And so once that that is all kind of walked through, we don't talk about this again. You know, this isn't something we rehash with your kid. Well, you're bad because you, whatever. But that the relationship is completely restored and you move forward and they experience that and they know that. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. As we talk about parenting, God, that's the way he has related to us. And the Bible says that we're not, we're not all children of God. We're God's creation. But that time and time again that we can be adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus, that we can be made right and be in this perfect relationship with God. And he, he chooses to describe that as a family setting, uh, and, and adopted to him um, by what Jesus has done. Now here, just as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to ask the band to come on up here. Um, and as we wrap up, it's so important as we point to the gospel and the good news and who Jesus is, that we understand, that our kids understand that there's consequence to rebelling, to not, doing, to not following the authority in your life. For one thing, just following God. Like, uh, you know, I I know um, a lot of pastors have these conversations. I I see it in our people who today we follow Jesus on our terms. We do things on our terms. We're like, okay, the Bible says this, but... And I like that Jesus forgives me and adopts me into his family part. I like that. But this part that talks about how you do, you know, relationships or how you do whatever... um, I've got reasons and excuses not to follow that. Well, is that just not a very strong authority in our life? Like, did we learn or grow up thinking eh, we can kind of not follow authority just very clearly? Yes, that's part of the problem. And just understanding that that because of our rebellion, there is a consequence. There's a consequence to our sin, and it's this broken relationship that we have with God. Now, it sets us up and points our kids to this beautiful story that there's a consequence that's so big that we can't do anything to pay for it. Our sin and our rebellion is against a God who is so uh, pure and holy and righteous that sinning against him is such a big deal that there's no amount of religion, there's no amount of morality, there's no amount of anything we can do to make up for that. But God in his love loved us so much that he did what was necessary to pay my debt and to pay my penalty. And it points and it sets the gospel up to make it very clear, not wishy-washy and not, not soft, but understanding that, that, that sin is a big deal and that God is perfect and holy and pure. And he loved us so much that he did something. Now, here's an example in my own life. Ben, you came up here too early as I asked you to come up here real quick. Um, the people in the first service are going to say, you didn't hear that story? So my, my daughters, uh, they got into a circumstance where they could not pay for the damage they did. As my daughter was learning to drive, I thought, hey, I'm, I'm a pastor of this church and we got a parking lot. I want my kids to drive a lot and be real comfortable behind a wheel, not scared or timid about it. So when Rachel was 14, I was like, hey, drive around the church parking lot. No other cars in the parking lot middle of the week. Learn to parallel park, and she did awesome. Better parallel parking than I could. And then I came inside. I was so confident. Hey, you just go and, you know, keep doing it. I got to do work in the church inside. So I left him while her sister was with her. Well, being the wonderful older daughter, she, uh, older sister, she thought, I'm going to teach my little sister how to drive. <laughs> Oh, there you are, Karis. And uh, so Karis gets in there. Never, was she 12 at the time, I think, <laughs> never been behind a wheel, never, you know, anything. And um, a little bit later, time, a little time goes by, and and I should have been out there checking on him sooner, I'm sure. But Karis comes running in just sobbing. And I'm like, oh, no, what happened? I left him out there driving in the parking lot. Awesome parenting, Parent of the Year award here. So I run out there, no car in our little parking lot. It's not like you got to search around a lot. It's like, where's the car? I run out to the street in the front here going, you know, my heart is just dropped. What in the There's no way my daughter would, like, drive away. Karis was so upset, she couldn't even tell me what happened. She was crying so much. <laughs> oh, she goes into the bathroom, and I'm like, oh, what, you know. So I'm going, you know, trying to figure out why Rachel drove away. And I'm coming back going, just panicking. And I see the car over in this parking lot. I'm like, how did they get there? Oh, there's a fence panel down over there. And it was, I mean, I wish I could have seen it, kind of. It must have been, you know, just the good old boys. I mean, (laughs) there is a good four-foot drop. And they just... Cares just flew through the fence <laughs> and uh, miraculously did not hit a single car with the car but the fence panel that came down came crashing down on a truck and so I had to go find the owner of the truck who worked at RMC next door here and I, I went there and I said, "So and so, I'm looking at someone, the owner of this truck, and this lady comes up, and she's like, "Please don't tell me something happened to the truck." My car broke down, and I borrowed this truck from my father- in-law. It's brand new, and he was like, "If you get a scratch on this thing." and I was like, "Well it's not so much a scratch, it's more <laughs> more of a dent so um, so there was, you know punishment for, you know, doing stuff, all that kind of thing. But ultimately, there is no way (laughs) they could pay for the damage of that vehicle. Um, And it just reminds me that there is, um, you know, we're building up to a point of, of, of pointing our kids to the good news and understanding that there is a rebellion against a creator God who created us There's nothing we can do to pay for that damage. But he loves us so much. So I love my kids so much I didn't send them off to some work camp or something or have them babysit all your kids, you know, seven days a week for a few months, you know, that that we have a God who stepped in and paid completely our price for our rebellion, for what we've done wrong so that we could have that relationship.